Wandering Journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey through theatre of the mind, highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. Imagine not being able to see and catching the train to work. Then someone grabs your hand and drags you on the train, trying to help, but leaving you unsure of where you are and even if you are safe. This has happened to Brendan Donoghue more than once. In this episode of Streets of Your Town, I meet Brendan at one of his favourite pubs near his home at South Brisbane. So, Brendan, welcome to the Streets of Your Town. Well, it's a delight to be with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Here we are at South Brisbane at a lovely little watering hole just near where you live. So this is like your your hood, your corner of the world. Yes, one of the one of the cafes that I uh, hang out in and try and uh, have good meals and uh, good chats with people and meet some of the local local people. So we have great fun and hover in the air conditioning like we are having a nice cool. Lemon, lime and bitters to get away from that Brisbane heat. So how long have you lived uh, in this pretty central part of town here in Brisbane? Uh, Well, I was just thinking about that the other day and I couldn't believe that I've actually now conquered the uh, the five years out of home uh, situation. So, um, you know, getting getting on to almost heading into my sixth year. You'd be very used to living this central kind of life. Is it uh, a bit frenetic and busy? Uh, it can get quite busy. Uh, we did have the completion of the 33-storey apartment building right next to me. Oh, goodness. Um, which uh, has been a delight. We now have <laughs> not so much banging and jackhammering and soaring <laughs> through all hours of the day or night. So uh, The joys of inner city living, all of that construction all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up first in uh, Logan. And of course, we should mention at this point that you do uh, have a disability. You've got you're, you're blind. You you use a stick. You're fiercely independent to get around, though. Oh, yes, yes. I, I use a use a white cane, and it's um, a fiberglass, uh, very hard cane. And uh, you know, for anyone who knows me, I won't usually stop for adults because adults <laughs> are you know silly enough and old enough to get out of the way. Um, you know, when they're not playing Pokemon Go on their on their iPhone, staring down. So uh, that was quite a, a interesting phase, and also the phase now, as I call it, the those uh, beautiful darling lime scooters that people. Oh yes, they've only been quite a recent phenomenon here in Brisbane. Has yeah, that been tricky? Uh, it, it can be a bit tricky. I um because you don't really hear them, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it's more the fact that when they leave them, um, oh, on the on the sidewalk. Yeah, and they just they just there's no there's no sort of racks or anything, and they yeah. just and they just pull up and go, oh yeah, this is where I'm going to leave it, and and pull on the pull on the brake, and they stand up. So the mm. the problem is that you don't necessarily know that it's there until you touch it, and if you knock it over, they're very very heavy to manoeuvre. The craze phenomenon of uh, the lime scooter is not my favourite thing, I'm afraid. There must be a lot of things like that, Brendan, that um, perhaps we can enlighten people of. Just just everyday things, maybe, that you deal with, that if people were a little bit more thoughtful, um, wouldn't be such a, a problem. Would, would that be fair to say? Well, well, it, it, would, it would just make things a little bit more of an ease mm. to move around, you know. 
the main thing, as I said, I think in here is just people being um, courteous on bikes. You know, yeah. I, I walk along a, a lot of bike ways and, yeah. and you know, some people are very good and they say, you know, coming up on your right hand side, you oh, know. that's good. And, and some people, you know, just don't say anything and just keep um, ringing their bell and expecting me to sort of... <laughs> to know where they are. To, to move <laughs> or to get out of their way when yeah. realistically I'm not necessarily going to know where they are. And no. I can't really move out of their way so they have to be the sort of one to move considering that they're on a bike. And I remember you um, mentioning to me too, Brennan, the first time I met you at a conference, how sometimes even when people are trying to help it can be a little bit misfounded, particularly when you're on public transport. So what would be some tips that we could give people there, like if you're on a train? Well, I think the biggest thing is just asking if I, um, if me or other um, blind people you see around um, do need uh, assistance. So not necessarily going up to them and just start pulling them or um, you know just uh, you know come here you know go this way you oh, know or, has that happened to you it has happened a couple of times um, and and people's um, people's intentions are good and usually mm. are nice at heart but you know either they think they know where we're going um, or they think they know where I want to go when in fact you know it's completely different and when I actually tell them they go oh you know I didn't really know where you actually wanted to go so it's sort of um, you know asking the question before you know coming in and in it, and if I do need assistance I will say yes I do need your assistance or no I'm fine and, and um, you know at that point if, if you know if I say that I'm fine then you know they should just uh, leave me alone but um, you know some people even though after saying you know I'm fine will you know continue to go oh, you know no 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 come this way you know come this way you know, and, and start to sort of uh, put their hand hand on my shoulder or pull my arm or sort of things. Yeah. And, um, you know, as I said, there was a story one time that I was told by a uh, friend of mine of two people that came by with a blind guy standing on a platform and the train, a train had pulled into a station and uh, this particular blind guy was standing there and it wasn't his train, so he wasn't moving, but these two big men came along and said, um, you want this train, mate? And without even waiting for a response, they actually picked him up and dumped him on the train. Now, well, you know, while those intentions were good at heart that they, you know, wanted to put him on the train, it was actually not the train that he actually wanted. And he actually um, had to take a train ride because it was too late by the time he was on the train and he couldn't you know the shock of being dumped on a train was too much yeah i think it would take a little bit of time to recover from that i suppose it's really just showing a bit of respect mm. isn't it for people much as you might have good intentions like you say but respect for people's autonomy and their decision making and then we move into the issue of you know i don't have one of these but i will mm. mention it of people who will come up and go oh, oh what a beautiful guide dog you have and they'll start patting the dog and they'll start you know sort of patting the dog and you know they don't really realize you know if the, the harness is on the dog then it's actually working and uh, you know they need to uh, respect or ask uh, the owner first whether they can touch the dog and it is up to the owner whether the owner allows that to happen and some owners do allow the the person to touch the dog and some owners don't so it's really up to the owner to uh, to uh, to allow that to happen. So if you see the harness on the dog, make sure you speak to the owner of the dog first. That's pretty that much it. And the owner, mm. the you know, the harness on means that that dog is working. And the reason why we don't want it to be 
touched all the time is the dog will get the, the impression that it's playtime ah, when yes. the harness is on so the, the mm. so the uh, gets confused so it gets confused so mm. you're actually doing more harm to the dog than actually the person yeah yeah so you know it's a big thing to uh, you know to come up and most people are good and most people will do it but sometimes the 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 overwhelming you know sense of oh such a nice animal you know can can sometimes overwhelm people and so you've decided not to have a dog yourself, Brendan? Yeah. With cane? Yeah, I have mm. decided one of the reasons is, you know, the busy city life. Yeah. You know, I do have a sit-down um, computer phone job in the, in, in the city. So, um, which I do think, um, you know, for a dog uh, mm. would be incredibly boring sitting under a desk all day. I, would, I wouldn't like it. So <laughs> why, why should I subject the dog to that sort of... Uh, to that sort of requirement so well, that's very thoughtful of you you know so you know <laughs> but the good the good thing is that at any time in my life if my life's um circumstances change or you know something happens then i can apply for the dog at any time so there's no oh, so yeah. there's no sort of you know i can deciding oh yeah you know i do want a dog now mm. and, and go through and go through that process you get the training and all the rest of it mm. yeah Mm. Well, and you've got your cane um, folded up behind you, you know, it doesn't really get in the way of things, and it's really your your means of finding your way around, isn't it? How does it work? Is it is it okay to ask? I don't know if I really understand. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, the, so the cane is uh, folded up into um, four little, uh, four sections, mm. and uh, basically what happens is, well, this particular cane is four sections, some canes are smaller, some canes are larger. Oh, okay. Um, so um, normally not larger, but I have seen one set of five and six oh, wow. uh, sections. Uh, but uh, basically what happens is it comes out and it's built in elastic all the way through the cane. Yeah. So it'll pop out and on the end of it is a... Like a, a tent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> a tent, like a tent uh, pole. <laughs> yeah. And what happens is, is at the end of it, there's a ball that actually spins around. So what happens is as you go over different surfaces, you hold your hand on the hand grip at the top, which is like a little uh, rubbery hand grip so you can feel for it. Mm. And uh, basically as you're moving, you swing the cane a body's length in front of you to protect yourself a body's width to the left and the right. Yeah. And that will protect you from each side. Yeah. And the idea is that you you move, the, the, the ball is moving and you can feel the different surfaces that you're going across you know like cement grass or smooth grass or, or um, uh, those old um, tiles that they use yeah. uh, bricks on the, on the pathways and you know and you can hit anything that's in front of you and then you can check from left to right and see whether it's safe to sort of move on so it's it's all done by the the, the movement of, of the cane and what what goes under the what what's under the the ball at that particular and time? You can really feel that difference in yep. the material, yeah. All the different types of material. Mm. Grass is a bit different because grass can get caught in the cane. We do mm. a, we do a tapping technique, so we lift we lift the cane actually off the ground okay. and tap from side to side. So because you can't actually move the ball through the through the grass, it would actually get stuck. Yeah. Um, and you cannot take canes on beaches. Oh, I imagine, no, that would all get caught um, up, wouldn't it? It will seize up, uh, and parks with sand or with um, 
sort of wood chippings yeah. are usually a, a no-go sort of thing. So we have to rely on the, the guided uh, the guided arm um, technique to, for people to yeah. guide us through those uh, environments. But there are very, very, you know, you can still take the cane on those areas, but, you know, you will probably damage the cane and yeah. it's not advisable. So do you uh, enjoy going to the beach, uh, given those difficulties especially in a hot place like Brisbane well you know I, I don't I don't get to the beach as much as I would like mm. to tell you the truth um, <laughs> and one of the other challenges with beaches is because we can't see the flags yeah we don't know whether the, the, the where the flags are so we really have to take somebody who's uh, sighted and who we can trust quite a lot to go to an open beach um, you know, to, to swim because if we end up swimming in rips or, yeah, or yeah. things, it can get quite uh, quite dangerous. But uh, <laughs> you know, um, I will certainly get to the beach one of the one of these days. <laughs> so, what are some of your favourite things to do when you've got spare time from your job that you've been telling us about? Oh, spare time. Well, I do a bit of advocacy and I like music. I like okay. going to see music or going to listen to music. Oh, listen, listening to music, and I'm actually very excited because Elton John is coming back oh, for yes. Yellow Brick Road tour, mm. and I'm trying to uh, convince myself that a uh, $1,500 ticket to his uh, uh, prime seating number one <laughs> is, is, a good, is a good purchase to, uh, to, to buy. So I haven't been able to fully make up my mind whether I am <laughs> going to go down that route yet, but it's certainly, you know, a nice, um, you get, you know, champagne on arrival and uh, all sorts of gifts and yeah. photographs with him and you get to go backstage and all these fancy things that, you know, um, fifteen hundred dollars can buy, so we'll just have to see what what I what I do with that. So you like a bit of live music? What do you get to the, even some bands? You know, pubs and things. Or? Yeah, I, I've attended a couple of bands. Um, I have a friend um, band celebration coming up, so I'll be going there to uh, to support her and say hello and and that sort of thing. So, uh, but yeah, I um, you know try and get to. Not a, no, I don't try and you know I try and get to some pubs, but not to not to too many pubs. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. And what about you mentioned the advocacy? What sort of uh, things are still needing the work to be done? I suppose for people who who aren't all that familiar with disability issues. Well, I think uh, number one, um, people have probably seen a lot in the media lately of our darling new 4.4 billion dollar. Indian-made trains that Mr. Newman decided oh, to buy on us. Yes. They weren't very disability-friendly, created yeah. a lot of issues surrounding wheelchair access, and one particular thing that a lot of people may not be aware of was the removal of the little guard cabin station in the middle of the train, which was um, basically in the middle. Okay, why would that make a difference? Basically, in the middle of a six-car train, was a little station and the guard would sit there and when we go to a station on the middle of every station they have the little wheelchair symbol with the little wheelchair man and you stand on the little rubber matting and when the train pulls in the guards there and, and he was able to provide assistance to all people with disability but not only people with disability mothers with prams and strollers 
people that may not be so versed in English. Yeah. People who, you know, are tourists and may not know where, you know, where, where they're necessarily going. So that, that guard on the train can provide the assistance. Now, with the new trains, the guard is still on the train, but he's actually right up the back. Oh. So he's actually in the sixth car, and he's actually right stuck down, right down the back, 70 metres away from the from the boarding point. So on some of those stations, there are lots of curbs, uh, like at Roman Street Station and at other older stations throughout the network. It's a bit hard for them to see what's going on. Yeah, I, I mean, there yeah. are there are video cameras on the train, and mm. we have been told that they will be watching those video cameras. But, you know, let's be realistic. A video camera can break down, and our question has been, and we, we have not got a direct answer yet, is what happens if one of those cameras actually breaks down and the guard actually loses his visibility of the of the platform. Does that mean that the, you know this one train has to go out of service because of you know the, this camera? So that's one of the biggest things that I've been campaigning for mm. is the replacement of that guard station where it should be in, in, in the middle mm. and um, where it should have been. And um, let's be uh, clear that we, uh, people with disability, weren't actually consulted on the replacement of where that guard uh, was to go. It was a decision made internally, um, even before we knew about it. Makes it very um, difficult when people with disabilities aren't really considered in these decisions. That was one of the biggest things with this, and there was a, an inquiry report, the Ford inc um, inquiry yes. report, mm. which was handed down. That was the biggest thing that it actually showed, was there was actually no thought or actually no advice that was sought from people with disability. And when we did try and actually provide our, our, um, our thoughts and our advice, we were actually not taken seriously mm. throughout this time. Also, another thing which I have managed to get through and will be on the, the new trains once they complete modification back in Maryborough where they're being um, redesigned at the moment is on the doors they have a sign which explains to sighted people or anyone on the train how to eject themselves out of the train in the case of a real emergency. So if there was a fire in the, in the cabin. Okay or a natural emergency, yeah. these people can drop themselves out of the chute um, oh. down the bottom and can get out of the train without, uh, with minimal damage, I, I would, uh, um, you know, would say. Now, on the original um, design, there was no braille on that signage. Ah. So my querying was that, you know, how were people who were blind able to read and get to know how to operate this uh, th these buttons that were here. So there's buttons to press on to eject yourself and then there's a button to cancel that sort of thing. And um, they came back to me and said, oh, they said, don't worry about it. There'll always be somebody traveling with you on that train um, who can press the button for you. And as I said before, there, you know, there may not be a person who's traveling on you. And more often than not, it's the times where you travel alone when these things actually, uh, actually happen to you. Yeah. Is more often, you know, is more often when they happen. So 
they have relented on that point and all of the newly designed trains will have the braille on on that signage but we're still we're still fighting the uh, the placement of where the guard should be so oh it sounds like you're a very successful advocate then really. <laughs> convince the powers that be of these things I, it wouldn't be easy I'm well sorry. i have i have had some wins so mm. i can go through some wins if you like yeah um, so couple of wins I had last year were the Cultural Centre busway station. Oh yeah. One of our biggest bus stations which is very a, busy. a big bus station. I yeah. was I was very disappointed to find that there was no audible announcement in the lifts of platform announcements nor any locational information based on where you were mm. in, uh, in this uh, station. So through many probably I'd say probably three months I um, went back and forward between you know, countless different departments. I hate to think how many departments I went through. <laughs> and they put the audio in the lift, and, but I wanted to go further than audio in the lift. I actually was able to get braille signs erected, which mm. actually um, denote to the person, this lift will take you down to platform one or two. So if they actually read this signage, they will actually know where they are and they will actually know where this lift actually uh, goes to. Working on another one too with um, apps, I suppose this is something that perhaps a lot of people wouldn't even consider that really apps on phones and things that are just used for everything now, particularly your banking and your money, uh, perhaps not always that accessible. Yeah, so um, banking, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, doing everyone's life, doing mm. banking online, you know, checking your banking, all your bills and all that sort of thing and people maybe 80 90 percent of the population probably do it on a mobile device now and my bank which i will not name at the moment (laughs) who i am working with to yeah you know Mm. to try and resolve this uh particular issue so you've got some sort of app as well that that reads those things for you is that right if they open up yeah so on every every iphone and android device um iphones uh it's all built in android you have to download it first but on the iphone it's called voiceover and it's all built into um, settings general accessibility voiceover and you can actually go in there turn it on and it will actually start talking to you there are a whole heap of um, different ways of controlling your phone so um, when you're started you just put your finger on the app that you want and it just opens but um, with us obviously if they did that then we would be you know things would just be opening so basically it's a double tap to open and um, three okay. finger scrolling to to do page 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 scrolling so it's a very different way of interacting with your device and if you ever want to i i suggest you turn it on yeah on. just to see what it's like yeah just to see what it's like well it enabled us to communicate too i've been messaging you constantly with i'm running late and my normal routine <laughs> for which i apologize so um, you know wait, waiting on waiting on husbands uh, work <laughs> rosters and sons and yes work and cars and and you had them all read to you you poor thing I, um, I, I, I certainly did, and I was um, working out the best way to respond to them all. <laughs> You're a polite and decent man. Well, Brennan, it's been lovely chatting with you today for Streets of Your Town. Can no you, worries. Is there anything that um, perhaps you'd like to add, you know, maybe a, a favourite part of Brisbane or where you live, since we're here in the, the heart of it all, or that to, to leave our listeners with? 
Well, I, I, I think the biggest thing that I can leave uh, to people is if you ever haven't tried something new, this is the time to try something new. <laughs> so I would suggest, you know, maybe, maybe, um, maybe doing what I've told you today and maybe um, turning on one of those accessibility functions and or trying to blindfold yourself and, and catch a train without knowing where, you know, where you are and, and or different things. So giving new things a try, I think I would leave uh, people with. Yeah, and get a glimpse of your life, of what yeah. it's like. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Brendan, really appreciate it. No worries, have a great day. Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, aka The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. Stay up to date with the latest episode of Streets of Your Town by subscribing on your podcast app on iTunes or SoundCloud. See you next time. <laughs>